Your brain is always monitoring what's going on with you, checking everything from your breath to your hormone levels, to what's happening to your gut, to the many things that are happening to you in the outside world. It's taking in all this information that's telling your body what kind of state you're in. All of these sources of information talk to each other and ask one simple question. Am I safe or am I under threat? Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, author, and mind-body coach. And several years ago, I self-hacked my mind and my body to lose 30 pounds. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and weight loss habits, you'll also learn how to address the destructive habits and negative self-talk that lead to overeating and battles with your weight. The secret to losing weight and keeping it off is not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist and mind-body coach Trudy Stone, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in today. Look, there is a lot going on in the world today, which may have you feeling anxious and or stressed. If so, that's totally normal. We're still dealing with COVID and everything that goes along with that and navigating very uncertain times. Then there's all the racial injustice that we're seeing in the world right now. But stress is something that, if left unchecked, can have serious and detrimental effects on your health. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing the ways that stress damages your body, as well as nutrients that get depleted when you're stressed. The World Health Organization has called stress the health epidemic of the 21st century. Up to 80% of all doctor's office visits are thought to be related to stress. 80%. Stress can have devastating long-term consequences for your health as well as your weight loss efforts. So again, in this episode, we're going to cover some of those major ways that stress damages your health and your weight loss efforts and what you can do about it. Now, sometimes it can feel like stress is all around us. We're trying to meet more demands than ever before, and our self-care routine often gets pushed by the wayside. This often leads to bad food choices and poor sleep habits, which lead to internal stress. When we eat things like white flour, sugar, and fried foods, all of these comfort foods, right, that we reach for when we're stressed, we actually increase inflammation and stress hormone production. Stress plays a big part in your overall health and most importantly, your ability to lose weight, avoid disease, and live a healthier lifestyle. Continued stress takes a toll on your body and your immune system, and it makes you more susceptible to disease, colds, and the flu. And stress is also a major contributor to weight gain as well. Research is starting to show that stress has damaging effects on our bodies in irreversible ways. Stress shows up in our bodies in ways such as heart disease, high blood pressure, ulcers, depression, early aging, obesity, cancer, and heart problems. So we're getting external stressors from our jobs. Maybe we're working 50 plus hours a week, maybe even more hours now. Now that you're at home, maybe your boss expects you to work even more hours, right? You have additional family responsibilities. Maybe you're even taking care of elderly parents like I am right now with my mom. My mom's, you know, needing a little extra care and support right now with navigating COVID because she is elderly. Maybe you have financial worries and we're compounding all of these things with unhealthy lifestyle choices. Now, our bodies are not designed to be in a constant state of stress. 
Yet this is what most people experience each and every day. The result is an epidemic of stress and increased risk for chronic diseases. Again, for everything from type 2 diabetes to cardiovascular disease, cancer, and even depression. Now, one person I love in the area of stress management, as well as the effects that stress has on our bodies, is Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. I shared earlier that up to 80% of doctor's office visits are thought to be related to stress. As a doctor, Dr. Chatterjee has seen the impacts of stress are such powerful indicators of health. His book, The Stress Solution, explores the many other ways that we can fight this stress epidemic, including shifting our own perspective about the hold that stress has over us. It's a really fascinating book, and I loved it. In his book, he also talked about the effects of micro-stress doses, and this concept really blew my mind. So MSDs, or micro-stress doses, are individual portions of stress, whether it's from the tech in your life, like always being on your phone or your computer, or the standard stressors that come with, you know, being a, a husband, a wife, a parent, or an employee. So it goes something like this. You wake up in the morning after a bad night's sleep. Your phone wakes you up. That's MSD1. You open your phone to see a less than nice email from your boss. That's MSD2. Then you check the news and you see horrible photos or videos of things going on in the world. That's MSD3, 4, and 5, depending on how many images and videos you look at. Then you get an alert telling you that one of your bills is overdue. Now we're up to MSD6. You go to wake up your kids and then they rebel or they talk back to you. That's MSD7. Then you go downstairs to the kitchen and realize your husband didn't put away the leftovers, so now that food is sitting on the counter and it's spoiled. That's MSD8. Now you attempt to get dressed for the day, but since the weather is warmer, you decide to pull out a t-shirt or shorts, only to realize that it no longer fits, which leaves you feeling maybe upset or irritated because now you realize that you gained more weight than you thought. That's MSD number nine. But this just goes on and on and on, this constant barrage of these micro-stress micro doses. Okay, so these MSDs are coming in hot from all different directions, even though it may not feel like anything especially stressful is happening to you. While, yes, there are things that are always going to be there, most people don't take the time to check in with themselves to see how they're really feeling and to manage their stress. This stress then becomes that, you know, humming white noise in the background. That stress is especially dangerous. During every moment of the day, there's information being relayed between your body, your brain, and environment. Your brain is always monitoring what's going on with you, checking everything from your breath to your hormone levels to what's happening to your gut to the many things that are happening to you in the outside world. It's taking in all this information that's telling your body what kind of state you're in. Your immune system also takes in information from what's happening to you physically and emotionally. All of these sources of information talk to each other and ask one simple question, am I safe or am I under threat? So what happens in your body when you're stressed? When your ecosystem of information, as Dr. Chatterjee calls it, decides that you're in danger, it switches you out of a thrive state and puts you into a stress state. When you go into a stress state, two separate biological systems are activated. The first one is called the autonomic nervous system, which controls all the autonomic processes in the body. So it's the ones that we don't have to think about, like breathing and digesting. This system has two branches, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. When the body receives information that we're in danger, the sympathetic branch releases the hormones adrenaline and noradrenaline. This sends signals to the rest of the body to actively change its function. For example, to increase the heart rate so that more blood and oxygen are pushed out into our muscles. This is a stress state. 
Only when these processes go into retreat does our default parasympathetic branch or thrive state come back into control. The second biological system that is activated when you're in a stress state is what we call the HPA. And that's the, I hope I get this right with pronouncing it, <laughs> that is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. We can think of this HPA access as our stress broadcast service. So stress, whether it's physical or emotional, is detected by a part of the brain called the hypothalamus. When it detects stress, the hypothalamus releases a hormone that sends a stress signal to another part of the brain, the pituitary gland, which in turn releases a hormone to send the signal all the way down to your adrenal glands, then releases a hormone called cortisol. So cortisol alone with hormones adrenaline and noradrenaline are your body's primary stress response hormones. They put you in a fight or flight state so that you're primed to deal with danger. Now let's talk about cortisol for a second. Cortisol is the primary stress hormone that suppresses your digestive and immune systems and places your body in that fight or flight mode. This results in making you more susceptible to colds and the flu and sends your blood sugar levels soaring and places your body in a dangerous, alarmed state. Now, some studies show that high cortisol levels can even increase appetite and make you store more abdominal fat. Okay, so yes, we're talking about that stomach fat, okay, and that that um, muffin top, whatever it is that you want to call it. Now, unfortunately, the news is worse for women who already have a larger waistline, as these women tend to produce more cortisol in response to stress. Increased cortisol leads to more stomach fat. Increased cortisol also leads to chronic inflammation in your body, and stress is the cause of all inflammatory responses in our bodies. For example, when you sprain your ankle, that places physical stress on the body. A runny nose and a cough, those are symptoms of inflammation when we get a cold. Some physical symptoms of stress include, and as I go through any of these, just you know, ask yourself how many of these you can relate to. Okay, so some physical symptoms of stress include frequent colds and infections, tense muscles, aches and pains, upset stomach, diarrhea, constipation, nausea, insomnia, chest pain, and rapid heartbeat lowered sex drive, low energy, and food cravings. So can you relate to any of those? Maybe at least three? I would say if you experience at least three of these on a regular basis, you definitely want to look into getting into some sort of stress management habit. And I actually devoted a whole chapter to this in my book, Unbreakable. Do you wish you could uncover the sabotaging patterns that are preventing you from reaching and maintaining your desired weight? Take my free quiz to discover your diet personality so that you can pinpoint habit-forming strategies that will help you to achieve lasting weight loss. You can take the quiz over at trudyestone.com. Now, if you're like most people, then you probably turn to food to handle stress. So have you ever been, you know, really stressed out and immediately wanted to reach for that comfort food, whether it's a brownie, whether it's chips, whatever it is? Well, that's your body on stress. And, you know, according to some studies and some research, 75% of overeating is caused by emotions. When you're stressed, it wears out your neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. Those are our feel-good hormones, okay? Now, serotonin is responsible for making you feel calm and aids the body in coping with depression, stress, anxiety, and also provides immune system support. Now, women who have low levels of serotonin are more prone to anxiety, depression, and binge eating. Additionally, this neurotransmitter, serotonin, is produced in the gut, 
So when you're stressed out, it affects your gut health, which affects your mental health. So to learn more about that gut-brain connection and how to optimize your gut for weight loss, you can check out episode five, and I'll place a link in the show notes. Then there's dopamine, the other neurotransmitter. Dopamine is known as the motivation molecule. It's large and in charge of your pleasure reward system. If you have too little dopamine in your system, you'll tend to feel unmotivated, lethargic, unfocused, and maybe even feeling depressed. When these two important transmitters are burnt out due to ongoing stress, this means that you end up craving things like chocolate or ice cream, but sometimes not even actually enjoying them when you eat them. Has it ever happened to you? You really crave something so much because you were stressed and then you ate it and then it just didn't even taste as good to you as you thought it would, right? So you crave a treat like ice cream or a donut and how good it's going to taste melting on your tongue. But then when you eat it, you're like, eh. Although you couldn't wait to sink your teeth into it, you didn't actually enjoy eating it as much as you thought you would. But you probably still scarfed it down anyways, right? Don't worry, we've all been there, including me, okay? Especially if it's pistachio gelato or ice cream. That's one of my faves for sure. Now, some of my clients that struggle with emotional eating have told me that they're just tired of hurting and that eating numbs the pain. And for years, I turned to food to comfort me when I was sad or feeling anxious. Now, back in episode three, How to Control Your Appetite, which I think is actually one of my most popular episodes to date, I shared how to tackle emotional eating and how to recognize the difference between emotional hunger and true hunger. So again, I'll drop a link in the show notes for that if you want to check that out. Okay, so having said all of that, you know, stress isn't always such a bad thing. And there's actually two types of stress. So you have acute stress, which is short term. And that's like, you know, rushing to meet a work deadline or, you know, maybe being in a fender bender and you kind of have to spring into action. It can also be something exciting and thrilling. Now, sometimes this type of short-lived stress can be good because it creates motivation. With acute stress, once situation is resolved, then usually the stress just diminishes. Then there's chronic stress on the other hand. Now, while acute stress can be thrilling and exciting, chronic stress, my friend, is not. This is the type of stress that wears people down day after day, year after year. Chronic stress destroys both your body and your mind. Chronic or long-term stress is the result of a situation that hasn't been resolved. It could be abuse. It could be another type of traumatic event that happened maybe in your childhood that you carried into adulthood. Although the situation may have ended or maybe it may have been resolved, the feelings surrounding the situation may have not have been dealt with. And therefore, chronic stress remains. It could also be an ongoing situation such as, you know, being trapped in an unhappy marriage. And I know that's going on with a lot of people right now, you know, being quarantine at home and you're in COVID and maybe you're spending a lot more time with your partner than you haven't before. Maybe your partner was always traveling for work and now your partner's at home and now maybe you're at odds more and you're arguing even more, right? So it could be an ongoing situation like that or maybe even having a job or a career that you hate or constant dissatisfaction with yourself or the way that you look. Now, the worst part about chronic stress is that people just get used to it. They completely forget that it's there because it just becomes part of them. Now, people are more aware of acute stress because it's new, right? Whereas chronic stress often gets ignored because it's familiar and sometimes even comfortable. But this is not normal. So I hope you're starting to see that being under constant stress takes a massive toll on your body. Now, often when we're stressed, we feel like we lack control. There's not enough time. There's not enough resources. There's not enough energy. 
We feel like we're just walking around in a state of just deficiency. Ironically, our bodies are dealing with deficiency because in the face of stress, our bodies become depleted of the vital micronutrients and vitamins that keep our energy strong and your mind sharp. Okay, so we've talked about a few of the ways that stress can affect your body, but which nutrients in particular are at risk when you're stressed out? Well, in general, nutrients that cannot easily be stored in the first place are vulnerable. Okay, so this is typically your water-soluble vitamins and certain minerals come to mind, okay? However, if you also have to consider how easily these nutrients are absorbed in the first place, if your body already finds them difficult to retain, right, then a bout of stress and just being in a constant state of stress can make a real impact here, okay? So for example, for, exa- for example, for example, I'm just making up words here. I should edit this out, but I'm not going to. I'm going to keep this in because I'm just keeping it real, okay? <laughs> so for examples, I was actually going to say for instance. So for instance, stress depletes your body of many vital vitamins and minerals, like B vitamins, vitamin C, iron, and magnesium. These nutrients are released from the body to fight inflammation, as well as neutralizing free radicals, which are created in response to stress, poor diet, pathogens, etc. Without these valuable vitamins, your immune system becomes weak and you're unable to fight off viruses and other pathogens. Okay, so let's dig into each one of these vitamins and minerals further. Magnesium. This is one of my favorite ones to talk about. Now, magnesium is a mineral that has hundreds of essential roles throughout your body and low levels are associated with several mental and physical conditions. From a mental health viewpoint, Low magnesium levels are associated with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia even. Studies on people during times of high stress have confirmed that stress can lead to greater exertion of magnesium. For example, during exam times, students' urinary magnesium excretion was increased significantly, and that's just in one study. So that essentially means that the more that you're stressed out is the more that your body is using up its stores of magnesium. Magnesium is one of the most important nutrients for your body and is believed to be involved in over 300 chemical processes and reactions. It helps to support your muscles and joints. It creates new enzymes. It can actually play a role in preventing stress by increasing your levels of GABA. Okay, that's a neurotransmitter that helps to reduce feelings of fear and anxiety. It's ironic then that the stress-busting nutrient is often depleted by stress. Magnesium is one of the minerals that your body tries to utilize during your stress response because it's important for your muscles and your joints. However, if it isn't utilized, then often it's excreted from the body in urine. This can then create more problems as one of the primary symptoms of having low levels of magnesium is low mood, further perpetuating a vicious cycle. So what about magnesium and weight loss? Well, magnesium may be helpful for regulating blood sugar and insulin levels in people who are overweight or obese. A 2013 study found that taking higher amounts of magnesium helps better control insulin and glucose blood levels. This same study also showed magnesium helps with bloating and water retention. Fortunately, sources of magnesium are easy to find in your diet, okay? So you can find magnesium in fruits like bananas, figs even, raspberries, um, green leafy vegetables such as spinach and kale, nuts, seeds, uh, quinoa, and even dark chocolate, which is probably one of my favorite sources. Um, In the show notes, I'll actually include some of my favorite magnesium-rich recipes if you need some recipe inspiration. 
right? So then there's iron, okay? So iron, like magnesium, is one of the most important nutrients for your body. Iron deficiency is a common worldwide problem. It also seems that stress can lower levels of iron in the body. So for example, both psychological stress and excess exercise are associated with changes in iron concentrations. Iron is an extremely important mineral for your body as you need it to make oxygen-carrying red blood cells. And while diet can play a role, absorption can also be a factor worth considering. Iron comes in two forms, heme iron and non-heme iron. Meat, especially red meat, generally contains a combination of heme and non-heme iron, while plant-based foods are predominantly rich in non-heme iron, which can sometimes be problematic. This is because non-heme iron isn't always very well absorbed by your body. When stress strikes, this issue can be exasperated, which can lead to low iron levels and the appearance of certain symptoms, such as fatigue, dizziness, pale skin, brittle nails, thin hair. Women may be particularly vulnerable here, as their body's demand for iron can increase during menopause and menstruation. If you feel as though stress could be eating away at your iron levels, it might be time to consider adding more iron-rich foods or an iron supplement to your diet. But make sure before you add anything that you consult with your doctor first to get your levels tested. Iron-rich foods include spinach, broccoli, lentils, pumpkin seeds. I love pumpkin seeds, especially sprinkling those guys on my salads. Quinoa um, and vitamin C-rich foods. Let's talk about this for a second because vitamin C-rich foods help your body to absorb more iron. So try eating more vitamin C-rich foods with foods containing iron. So one of my favorite ways to do this is by adding vitamin C-rich fruits like um, strawberries or kiwis to my morning green smoothie since leafy greens are a great source of iron. So what about iron and weight loss? So iron plays a role in helping your body to create energy from nutrients. So iron helps carry oxygen to all the cells in your body, including your muscles. This in turn helps them to burn fat. And to burn fat, the body needs oxygen. If your iron levels are low, the body can't oxidize fat as well as it should, thereby slowing down your ability to lose weight. Without enough oxygen, fatigue sets in and slows down the metabolism, which will in turn decrease total daily calorie burn. So, you know, for example, try lighting a fire without oxygen, right? It can't be done. The same is true with our bodies. You can't burn fat without enough oxygen circulating through our bloodstream. Low iron levels also reduce your physical endurance and athletic performance, which means that low levels can affect your workouts. Okay, so that was a perfect segue to the next nutrient that gets depleted when you're stressed. And that is vitamin C, all right? <laughs> I have so many funny things to say about vitamin C. I think the funniest thing about vitamin C that I find is that when people get sick, they load up on the vitamin C, right? They're like juicing oranges, they're taking their popping vitamin C supplements, they're trying to eat all the vitamin C rich foods. And I often joke that that's like, you know, putting up an umbrella after you've been standing out in the rain for like an hour, right? Vitamin C is one of those things that our bodies constantly need, okay? And again, it's also another nutrient or another vitamin that gets depleted when you're stressed. So similar to magnesium, vitamin C is a multi-talented nutrient that's involved with a wide variety of functions throughout your body, from assisting the production of collagen to supporting your blood vessels and arteries. And just talking about collagen for a quick sec, collagen helps with your bones and your joints. And that's important if exercise is part of your weight loss program. And collagen also decreases your food and energy intake and helps you to beat cravings and prevents pain due to physical activity. And again, vitamin C helps with the production of collagen. 
So vitamin C is water soluble, which means that your body can't store it efficiently for very long. And this is why I always tell people they need to get, you know, vitamin C in their body regularly. Okay. So instead your diet has to do the heavy lifting here when it comes to avoiding deficiencies and any other associated symptoms. In relation to stress, it's been theorized that vitamin C could play a role in reducing your levels of cortisol. However, as is often the case, stress can also deplete your levels of vitamin C, especially when you consider that your adrenal glands need vitamin C to produce stress hormones in the first place. It also doesn't help that while your adrenal glands are working overtime to produce these hormones, stress can also influence you towards habits that drain your levels of vitamin C even further. Specifically with weight loss, vitamin C may help to protect against obesity by regulating the release of fat from fat cells, reducing stress hormones, and decreasing inflammation. Research has found that a, a consistent link between low intake of vitamin C and excess body fat, but it's not clear whether it's a cause and effect relationship. Interestingly, low blood levels of vitamin C have been linked to higher amounts of belly fat, even in normal weight individuals. While excess body fat alone is not enough to indicate a vitamin C deficiency, it may be worth examining after other factors have been ruled out. That's why it's really important to keep on top of your intake. So you can get vitamin C from citrus fruits, okay? So we're talking their oranges, lemons, lime, that sort of thing. Perfect in the summer, right? You can just add your, um, your lemon to like maybe some water, some lime to water. Kiwis is another great one. I'm always throwing kiwis in my smoothies all the time. Kiwis are so underrated as a fruit. Add more of those kiwis, guys. Blueberries are another great source of vitamin C. Bell peppers, which actually have more vitamin C than oranges. Uh, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, leafy greens, cauliflower, tomatoes. All of these are excellent options for boosting your consumption of vitamin C. Okay, so finally, um, the last nutrient that gets depleted when you're stressed out are B vitamins, okay? So B vitamins can refer to a range of B complex vitamins that perform a variety of roles throughout your body, from supporting your nervous system to helping your body absorb the energy from your food properly. They can even help to produce feel-good neurotransmitters like serotonin, helping to enhance your mood and enabling your body to cope better in times of stress. Unfortunately, though, like vitamin C, B vitamins are water-soluble, which means that your body can't store them for a long period of time. That's why having a diet rich in B vitamins is so important. But when stress comes into the picture, it can create problems. So while you may need B vitamins to help your body cope with stress, chronic stress can deplete your stores of certain B vitamins. And that just creates a vicious cycle. This can easily contribute to deficiencies in certain B vitamins, such as vitamin B12, which is already difficult to source from your diet, especially if you're vegan or vegetarian. If you're going through a period of stress, B vitamins should be a real priority. You can find them in foods like sweet potatoes, my favorite, leafy greens, sunflower seeds, almonds, chicken, turkey, salmon, shellfish, um, garlic, cabbage, avocados, and bananas. There's so many different sources, right? Of all the B vitamins, vitamin B12 is probably the toughest one to get through food. This is where a good quality supplement comes in. So vitamin B12 is important for communication between brain cells and also to engage the action of our neurotransmitters. Um, so, so vitamin B12 sources include animal foods mostly. And this is why a lot of vegans and vegetarians are deficient in B12 because the best source of B12 is animal sources. So chicken, seafood, um, eggs as well. You can also get it in things like 
spirulina. Uh, spirulina is something I have almost every day. I just add that to my smoothie, maybe about just a teaspoon of that. Um, nori. So that's, you know, the seaweed that you use to, you know, wrap sushi. Um, fermented foods as well. So tempeh, miso, kimchi, sauerkraut, as well as brewer's yeast. So what else can you do to manage stress? Well, first of all, you can learn how to build a stress management habit. This can include meditation as soon as you wake up or before you go to sleep. And stress was such a key part of my weight loss plan when I lost 30 pounds that, again, I wrote a whole chapter on it in my book, Unbreakable. In that chapter, I also share other techniques as well, as well as some other herbs and nutrients that you can consider when building your stress management habit. I'll place a link in the show notes below to the book so you can grab a copy of the book. Remember, stress is always going to be there, but what makes all of the difference is how you choose to handle it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to trudyestone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.